0: Thanks for listening to the podcast from Old Town Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Old Town Church is passionate about making disciples for the glory of God in Old Town and around the world by inviting people to know the gospel, experience biblical community, and live on mission. If you're in the Rock Hill area, we invite you to join us for worship every Sunday. If you're not in our area, we encourage you to find a gospel-believing church near you. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you as we seek to follow Jesus in the grace of his gospel. Thanks for listening.
1: Good morning. Lucy and I are going to be reading our scripture this morning, Philippians two nineteen through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Well, well, welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, in your
0: all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me
1: this is the word of the Lord
0: all right well good morning church Uh, my name is matthew and i'm one of the pastors here at old town church and we are so glad that you're here and uh, just a special shout out uh, to those of you who have young children or needy animals uh, that this time change seemed good to everyone else but for you it just meant that your kids got up earlier, and if you have needy animals, they were like, let me out or cuddle me or whatever. And so from those of us with older kids and animals that are lazy, uh, we know we got that extra hour and you did not. So um, if you are sitting next to one of those who didn't get that extra hour, just give them a little friendly nudge every once in a while if they start uh, dozing off or, or falling asleep. Um, also, just a reminder, it is November. And uh, I don't mean that it's not October. I actually mean that it's not December yet. And so uh, the second Halloween happened, everyone is like, woo, Christmas time. And listen, uh, we have Christmas music going in our house. I'm not going to lie about that. But uh, there is, I just want to free you. I want to free you still to enjoy this season of thankfulness, all right, not feel like you have to have shopped for everything because they're coming to get you with their consumerism. So don't let them do that, all right? So enjoy November and appropriately enjoy December and all that there is to, uh, to celebrate with that. But um, we do have, I mean, Katie was talking about a couple of things. We have a, a Thanksgiving service coming up two weeks from today. It's Sunday, November 19th. All right. It will be in here. We're going to have a meal together. It's going to be great. So sign ups are going out about that. Uh, But then also we have that joint service with a bunch of other churches that Tuesday that week. And so we'd love for you to join us to be a part of that as we celebrate together as the people of God and remember the great mighty things that he's done. So, all right, I'm going to jump right in today because like Katie said, this passage, I read it and I was like, cool. Is there anyone else who wants to preach that one? Like, what are we going to do with this? And, um, and as the Lord does, he, he just reveals so much to you in his word. And so I'm very excited about, we actually had to cut some stuff from the sermon today to keep it at an appropriate length. So uh, I'll do my best to, to keep it there. But this is our big idea for today, all right? A, a Christ-centered, and, and up there, this is my fault, I didn't change the slide. It's supposed to say a Christ-centered church advances the gospel by demonstrating the sacrificial love of Jesus to one another. A Christ-centered church advances the gospel by demonstrating the sacrificial love of Jesus to one another. And, and this, is, this is going to be important to us. It's, it's more of like the summary statement of this larger passage. But uh, this is what I, I want us to see, that as, as the church is centered on Christ, and as we demonstrate the, that love of Christ to one another, it actually advances the gospel, And that's what this whole section is about. I'm going to walk back through that section. But a Christ-centered church advances the gospel by demonstrating the sacrificial love of Jesus to one another. Now, uh, I've talked with some of you about how we do our slides. So this is just like family moment right here. Let's talk about it. I want you to feel free to take pictures of the slides. If we don't leave it up there long enough for you to write down, that's all right. Um, Most of the time, it's gonna come back around at the end of the service or along the way. But if you need to take pictures, uh, I always love when I see people taking their phones up and taking pictures. So take pictures of the slides if you need to. But anyway, that's our our big idea for today. Now, I mentioned that we are wrapping up this major section here in Philippians. And and I want to take just a few quick minutes uh, to remind ourselves of the context of this passage, all right? In this section, Paul has this main theme going on and this challenge for the Philippians that he continues to repeat. And it's mainly this, like, let your life match the faith that you profess. Like, let those things match up with one another. And so at the beginning of this section in Philippians 1, 27 and 28, he talks about living a life worthy of the gospel, all right? Let your life be worthy of the gospel. Let it match the gospel, and then a couple of weeks ago, we studied in Philippians 2, 12, and 13. He talked about working out your salvation, that there is a salvation you've experienced internally, and it should come out of you, that what's happening outside of you should match what's happening inside of you. And so Paul overall in this section is, is calling them to gospel faithfulness. Hey, you've experienced the gospel. Let your life match the gospel that you have experienced experienced. And, and so to, to live a, a gospel-centered life, let your life match what you say that you believe. And that's the, the, the main charge he's giving. Now, one of the biggest expressions of that uh, was this idea found in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4. And so we're going to throw those verses up on the screen. Um, oh, hold on. I have to turn to Philippians. Sorry. Rookie move. All right. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition, Or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so, as Paul is telling them to live this life worthy of the gospel, He gives this one sort of specific uh, idea of what that would look like, that you would live a sacrificial life, a sacrificial love for one another, that you would lay aside your own interests and look out for the interests of others, that that serving one another and caring for one another is a way that's going to cause us, uh, is going to cause us to sacrifice ourselves for one another. And, and so what he does in that is, is he points ultimately to Jesus in the preceding verses after that. He's like, and if you want to see an example of that, Jesus was it. Like Jesus came down, he did that for us. And so Paul lifts up the example of Jesus in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And then where we get to our passage today is, is not Paul talking about his friend's travel plans. Like I'm going to send Timothy to you and send Epaphroditus to you. That's not really the point of this. Paul is actually in the middle of this book at the end of the section saying, I'm calling you to live a life worthy of the gospel. And what that's going to look like is you sacrificing yourself for one another, that you are loving one another sacrificially just as Jesus did. I want to commend to you two examples of men who were doing that, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And so what we see here is not travel arrangements and just like communication like, hey, so-and-so is coming. It's like, hey, here's these men I want to commend to you as examples. I gave you Jesus, but of men you would actually know, here's, here's Timothy and Epaphroditus. These are men who are living lives of gospel faithfulness. Their lives were, were worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to do this morning as we walk through this passage is just learn personally. We're gonna learn personally, like what would it look like for me to live a Christ-centered life? But then also what that means for us as a church. And so, so really this is about us learning what it looks like to be a Christ-centered church from this passage. And so we begin in verses 19 through 22, and, and I think we can learn this, that a Christ-centered church serves selflessly. A Christ-centered church serves selflessly. Look at verses 19 through 22. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. All right, so we got Timothy here. Now, who is Timothy? One thing that we can know about Timothy, Timothy already has a history in Philippi. If you go back to Acts 16, when this church was being started, Timothy was there with Paul when Paul was initially sharing the gospel with him. So these people knew Timothy. They had a history with Timothy, all right? Uh, And so Timothy knew these people as well. He had witnessed Paul's love and his care for the church in Philippi. Uh, Additionally, Timothy was the significant part of Paul's ministry. All right, uh, over and over throughout. I mean, there's there's books dedicated, letters dedicated just to Timothy from Paul. Uh, Timothy uh, was just a, a vibrant and active part of Paul's ministry. And so uh, why is Paul sending him? Well, this is sort of what Paul did. He, he would send, he had sent Timothy to Corinth at one point to deliver a letter and deliver a message to them and to encourage them. He sent Timothy to the church in Thessalonica. And and what we can read from the, the book of Thessalonians is that uh, Paul sent them to establish and exhort you in the faith. Paul would send Timothy to these churches that were planted to, to establish and exhort them in their faith. He would send messages with Timothy, but also he would send Timothy himself to be an encouragement to that church, to establish that church, to, to build that church up. And so Paul was likely sending Timothy for these very same purposes here to the church in Philippi. And so what we're going to see in this passage, Paul's going to later, he's going to send Epaphroditus, all right? So this, this is the order of things. Paul's going to send Epaphroditus first with a letter from Paul, all right? So Epaphroditus carries the letter, and that letter is the book of Philippians. And so they read this letter. It has instructions in it. It has encouragements in it. It has some, some, uh, some uh, hey, here, you've got some conflict you need to handle. And then what Paul's going to do is send Timothy behind Epaphroditus a little bit later to check up on them. To, to see, are, 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 did you guys, are you following the instructions I've given you? Have, so Timothy's, he's not like big brother, like, hey, coming to check on you. But a little bit of it is like, hey, I'm sending the letter in advance and then Timothy afterwards so that he can see and then hopefully come back to me with a good report. I, I want to hear good news of how you are, are living a gospel worthy life. And so uh, Paul said, hey, I'm going I'm to send him and I want to receive that good news that you are doing this. And in verse 20 and 21, Paul says, I have no one like him. Uh, like I said, Timothy is a, an indispensable part of Paul's ministry. Paul will later, when Paul know, knows that he's about to die, he's going to call Timothy to his side. Uh, I mean, in his, in his moments where death is approaching, Timothy is one of the people that Paul wanted close to him as he walked through those last days. And, and what Paul says is, I know about Timothy he's going to be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Uh, I have this confidence in him that 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 he's going to have, and these words "genuinely concerned" are like this sincere anxiety. All right, that this this concern, this anxiety, that Timothy was sincerely anxious about the welfare of the Philippian church, and and he says, uh, "For they all, in verse twenty-one, for they they all uh, these other people, they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ." And so he's he's saying, "I'm going to send Timothy, who has this genuine concern for you." In comparison to others who have their own interests, not, not the interests of Christ, that in comparison to others who are anxious about their own interests, Timothy was concerned and anxious about the things of Jesus. And in this chapter that Paul's talking about, the things of Jesus are represented in his people loving one another sacrificially and serving one another selflessly, just as Christ did for us. And so Timothy was, was genuinely concerned about the church in Philippi living this way. So Paul's going to send Timothy uh, to do that because he was an example of that selflessness. All right? And then in verse 22, uh, Paul says, "...but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel." Timothy has this proven worth. They had seen it. They'd seen Timothy in action. They'd seen Timothy alongside Paul. They knew of Timothy's reputation. And so Paul's commending Timothy to them as an example to the Philippians. And he calls them a son in the faith, uh, like, a son, like, a, like a son with a father. And and in 2 Timothy 3.10, we get this idea of their relationship. This is what Paul says about Timothy. He has followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and suffering. Paul lists out so much of what it is to follow Christ and says, Timothy has followed me in those things. And so as as a son looks to his father as example, Timothy has looked to Paul. And now what Paul is doing is saying, I am now sending you Timothy as an example to you of what it looks like to pursue Christ. He's setting Timothy up as an example of selfless service, just as Christ did. All right. And, and this is in contrast, the selfless service is in contrast to our, our sinful nature, which only looks out for our own interests. Like in our sin, if we're just being honest with each other, most of the time we are are, are more, uh, uh, more inclined to think about our own interests, our own needs, what's going on in our own lives, instead of uh, seeking to serve others. We can often build our lives around having all of our needs met. And, and when we do that, we end up not seeing the needs of others because we're so focused on ourselves. And, and so the call we get from these verses is to live like Timothy, to live like Paul, ultimately to live like Jesus who served others selflessly. And this ability to serve selflessly begins with making ourselves more aware of the needs of others. It is this awareness of what's going on. It requires us, we talked about this a few weeks ago, of keeping our eyes up and paying attention to others so that we can actually attempt to, to empathize with what's going on in their lives. Our ability to serve others selflessly is directly proportionate with how well we know them. Like, I cannot know how to serve Sean Baxter or Meredith Adams if I don't actually know Sean Baxter or Meredith Adams. If I haven't spent time with Cesar or Amanda, like, I don't know how to serve them, uh, particularly serve them selflessly because I don't know what they actually need and what's going on in their lives. Our ability to serve others selflessly is directly proportionate with how well we know them because when we know them more, we know how to serve them. But, but let's take this, and I think for us all, we can, let's think about how we could take that step this week. Like, what's that look like practically? Like, okay, yeah, Jesus served selflessly. Paul and Timothy did too. Great. I know we should do that. Awesome. What's that look like for you this upcoming week? Like, what does it look like for you to take one step? How can, how can, how can I take this one step uh, to live a Christ-centered life by serving others selflessly? All right? And so I want to throw up a, a question for reflection for you. This is just something that, that you can, can consider this week and might be something to take a picture of and just think about it later. How could I make myself more aware of the needs of others that God has put in my life? How can I make myself more aware? We're talking about creating awareness here. How can I make myself more aware of the needs of others that God has put in my life? And then the follow-up is like, okay, then what do I do about that? How do I actually serve selflessly in that way? And so, so maybe for you, this begins with just some, some simple Sunday morning conversations. Like on a morning like this, you're going to hang around five minutes longer and just talk with someone after the service, get to know them a little bit better. It doesn't mean you need to go take them dinner this week. It might just be like you're getting to know people. It starts with just some discovery of, of learning people and getting to know them. Maybe it be, does begin with some, some cups of coffee or meals together or, or having people in your home. Maybe that's that next step of that. Maybe it's time for you to take that step of, of joining a small group. Even, if, even though you don't feel like you have time, you have the energy, you're going to set that time aside to, to actually engage with people and, and seek to know them more and allow yourself to be known in that same way so that others can also serve you. Now, I don't want to tell you how to do this. What I really want for you is to take that question before the Lord. Lord, how could I make myself more aware of the needs of others that you have put into my life and then let him guide you? Let him be the one that shows you those steps that you can take and and then just follow those steps. And so a Christ-centered church serves selflessly. A a Christ-centered church also gives sacrificially. A Christ-centered church gives sacrificially. Look at verses 23 and 24, Paul says, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Now, remember, Paul is in prison, so he's writing this letter from prison. So there's this up-in-the-air nature of what's going on in his life. I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I hope to send Timothy uh, as soon as I know how it's going with me. And I also want to join you soon. But I'm going to soon, as you can tell from his thing, he's going to send Timothy first, so that Timothy can come back and give him a report, and then Paul hopes to then join them later. And so that's what's going on. And so uh, Paul had just spent these last few verses talking about how godly Timothy is, and how indispensable Timothy was to Paul's ministry. And so what I what I don't want us to miss is the significance of his next statement. Timothy is this guy who's so integral to me. Timothy is this guy who I'm going to one day call to my my not my bedside but to to my side as I'm about to face death. Timothy is integral to my ministry, and I hope to send him to you soon. That there is a sacrifice in what Paul is doing. And I I just want to make a very simple point with these verses. Paul was sending his best to go support and build up the Philippians. Paul was sending one of his most integral parts of his ministry to go and build up the Philippian church. I hope to send him there to you. This was sacrificial on Paul's part. This is Paul sending his best, and he was willing to send him away, ultimately, to build up that church. Now, I don't know what you did this past Tuesday night. Uh, it was October 31st, which is the day of candy, all right? And, and so uh, our kids over the years, they're getting a little older. Some of them are like, I'm not going to trick-or-treat anymore. A lot of them are like, I'm not going to trick-or-treat, but then they do. Uh, and then Lucy was like, full-on, let's roll. And so, um, so one of my favorite things over the years, and this year as well, is afterwards like the loot sorting, right? Like they, you take your, your bag out, you dump it on the table and then you start like, okay, chocolates are over here and then, you know, hard candies are over here, whatever else, like you sort everything out. And then, then there's like the great candy swap where they're like, hey, I don't really like these, do you? Yeah, and then they start trading candy with each other. And then we have the community bucket that's like, nobody wants this because it's Twizzlers and Dots. And, like, let's be honest, nobody likes Twizzlers and Dots. And if you do, man, we could probably hook you up, right? And so I see that. Okay, I see those hands. Maybe I was wrong. Spoke too soon. Um, but, but, you know, and, and this, is, this is something I, I noticed this time is my kids kept offering me Reese cups because I love chocolate and peanut butter together. It's like, what could be better? All right. And so can I get so a couple? i see those hands. Yeah, I see. And, um, and so my kids kept offering me Reese cups. And I was like, sure, yeah, okay, you know, fine, yeah, good. I, don't, I used to steal them, now you're just offering so this is great. Um, and and I, eventually I was, you know, I was like, hey, uh, listen, I, you know, I, I like these, but I, I, you know, I don't want to just take them from you. Like, if you like these, I want you to, to keep them, and, uh, you know, I'll take it if you don't want. But they're like, and one, one of my kids was like, no, I like these, but I know you like them, so I want you to have it. And, and it's just this, this really small, simple nature. There's a simple sacrifice, right? Like, no, I do like that, but I know you like it. I want you to have it. I'm going to give up something that I do like for your good. I don't know if it's more for my good, but for my enjoyment. Um, and, and, and so it might not have been much, just Halloween candy, but there's this heart behind that to, to seek the good of others at the expense of yourself. That's sacrifice, right? Seeking the good of someone else at your own Expense to sacrifice something means that it's going to cost you. Sacrifice is painful. Anyone who's trained for a, i mean, I don't I don't know if she's in here, so I don't want to like call her name out, but like we have someone on our staff, and there's only three of us, and she's a female, so her name might be Jamie, who who ran a 30-mile trail race yesterday. Like you don't just do yeah, you don't just wake up and go do that. Like she sacrificed a lot in training to make that happen. Sacrifice is costly. It's painful. All right. It it actually is is going to require something of you. You're going to lose something. You're going to miss out on something. And, And we need to learn from this as a church that wants to be part of gospel multiplication. And church, hear me right now. We want to be a part of gospel multiplication, not just here in our community, but among the nations. And if we're going to do that, What we hope is that men and women are raised up here that are then sent out to other places. That part of us being a part of gospel multiplication and church planting in our county and in our state and in our country and across the world is gonna mean that some of you, and I pray that this is true, some of you are raised up and sent out and we grieve because we're like, no, they were, so, they were such a massive part of who we are. and They ministered to so many people. and We learned so much from them and we walked in community with them and we are so sad to see them go, but for the kingdom of God, let them go. And let us support them along the way. That if we are going to be a church that's part of multiplication, we will have to send out our best and celebrate that as, as they go. And so, my prayer I just want to say this my prayer for us as a church is that one day, though we are supporting a church plant in Bangkok, Thailand with people that we never met before we were their partners, that one day, oh, ooh, that one day we are visiting one of you in some foreign country or some Massive city in America where people do not know the gospel, and we are sending teams to you to support you. And on Sunday mornings, we are praying for you, and we are coming alongside you, and we're sending financial support to you so that the kingdom of God can be grown across the earth. That's gospel multiplication, but it requires sacrifice. And this is what Paul is doing. Like, I'm going to, yes, Timothy's my greatest. I'm going to send him out to you to go encourage you. Though I would love to have him by my side, I'm going to send him To you, Because ultimately, he sent Timothy out permanently. Timothy would go out and come back, go out and come back, but eventually he stayed in Ephesus. And so we're going to have to send. It's it's a sacrifice that we have, and I hope we can learn from Paul in this as a church. But what does it look like to give sacrificially? As we talk about giving sacrificially, if we're going to be Christ-centered in that as a person, but also as a church, how we as a church give sacrificially for kingdom work really is just a collective effort of how you individually give sacrificially. And, and so as an example, um, you know, uh, each week when, when, or month when, when you tithe, okay, for those of you that are, are tithing, when, you, when you're giving, it goes to support our annual budget. Sounds boring. You're like, oh, great, he's going to talk about budgeting. No, I'm not, okay. But, but, but it's, it's not boring other than meeting our, our, our physical needs, staffing and facilities and stuff like that. Uh, there's a large portion of our budget that's meant to be sent out. It's, it's meant to be uh, a gospel work of discipleship here within our church, but also outside of our church. And so when you give, it goes to support things like that Bangkok church that's meeting, well, 12 hours ago. And, and, so, and, and so it's going to support them. That money is not just staying here. It's going out. It's going to other organizations that are sending missionaries all across the world. And so as we give to the the Southern Baptist Convention, like part of, uh, actually a lot of that money, not just part of it, a lot of it, is going to train and send missionaries. And and so, and and I I actually happen to know one missionary in particular that was sent through the Southern Baptist Convention, who's now in in a place that we're not even supposed to name for their security, and they're crossfitting for the glory of God. And I'm not kidding, that's literally, they're like setting up a CrossFit business in some Middle Eastern country so that they can begin to share the gospel with people. And so when you give, it goes to things like that. It goes out, all right? And so being a new church, it'd be easy for us, like for the first five years, let's just keep all of our money in house and try and make sure we're established but I'll tell you this, and this is the heartbeat of everyone, not just us as leadership, but part of our establishment as a church was saying, no, we want, we want our time and our resources and our money to go to kingdom work all across the nations. That's how we're established, not by keeping it to ourselves, but giving it away to others. And so when you give to the budget, it's also helping support church planting efforts all across the world, including an unreached people group in Bangkok, Thailand. Or as another example, uh, when you give financially to our benevolence fund, uh, part of what that money does is it helps us provide counseling opportunities for people within our faith family. That as people meet certain needs and there, there's just things that professional counseling, professional Christian counseling, is going to be the thing that that is as we come alongside them as a church that we can also provide professional support to them. You are providing that to people, and there there are many in our faith family who take advantage of that. And I'll tell you, I'll just say, like I'm one of them. Like counseling is something that's been an important part of my journey. And part of your giving has gone to help me be able to afford that and and engage with that so that I can grow in my walk with the Lord. And so when you do that, we are able to provide assistance to people in this meaningful way and vice versa. I want to take this moment to say uh, it's also an opportunity that's available to you. And so if that's something that you're like, hey, this is something I need, we want to meet with you and talk through that and see how we can support you in that. And so when you give financially, it's supporting this collective effort of the church as a whole. All right? Now, the opposite also is true. If you're not giving financially, it hinders the collective effort of the church to give up itself sacrificially. And that's not a shame thing. I'm like, I'm not here to shame anybody. All right? We're all on different journeys. What I'm here to say is, is just for you to think like, okay, Lord, is, is this something that you want me to begin being a part of? Because I do believe, and I don't talk about this often, but I do want to challenge us to give financially to the ministry of Old Town Church. This is part of what it means to be part of a local body, that you're giving of your time and your resources and your money. But it's not just true of finances, all right? And if you're here this morning, you're like, ah, pastor's talking about giving money. Could have figured that one out, right? We don't ever really talk about this, all right? But it is actually important, and it's part of a larger collective effort. And, but it's not just true of finances. It's in areas of service and with your time. So many of you, So many of you are giving your time and your energy to serve and minister to others. From our kids team to our small group leaders, student leaders, worship team, media team, connections, mission team. Hey, we got opportunities for you to use your gifts and leverage them for the glory of God. And so I, like I just, like our worship team right now, like week in, week out, these guys are here all the time, just pointing us to exalt Jesus in the way that we're able to sing in that way. And I want to just take a minute also to honor the sacrificial giving. Uh, so we've... Um, we... Uh, I did not see this coming. Okay. We, we've got... We have elders here at Old Town Church, and uh, and and there, there are two guys uh, that that give so much of themselves. Um, these men have full-time jobs, families, and at the same time, give so much of their time and energy to serve the needs of these faith families. And so, uh, uh, Sean Baxter and Scott Bennett over here, um, if you look at them real quick, just wave, mainly just because if you need help, there's our elders, not to like praise them, but like, if you need something, go to those guys. Um, Oh, and me too. I'm one of them. Um, come to all three of us. Sorry. Um, I, I, I am constantly encouraged by these men. The, the countless hours that they spend each week, meeting, planning, praying, leading, serving, hauling away trash, little things, big things, conflict, difficulty, celebrations, sadness, joy. They are walking through it. They're not perfect. These guys are not perfect. But they are truly seeking to sacrificially give to God what he asks in order to build and edify his church, not ours, his church. And so I want to, and this is weird for us to do, but I just want to commend these men to you. And we have so many other godly examples I could lift up here, but these guys don't get honored as much as they should for the sacrifice they are giving to build up the local church. And so I want to, in the same way that Paul is commending Timothy to you, I'm going to commend to you Sean and Scott uh, as as elders of Old Town Church and encourage you to spend some time showing these men some gratitude as the Lord brings it to your mind. And church, like I said, there are so many of you, so many of you giving sacrificially in this way. And so I just want to stop here for a moment and encourage our faith family. I want to encourage you. I see beauty in the way that you are already doing these things. Like you guys are giving sacrificially to one another. It's visible inside our walls, but it's also speaking about the beauty of Christ outside of our walls. And as we consider giving sacrificially, I want to be clear about something. In God's economy, he always provides for what is lost, what is lost. Like, like, and I'm not, I'm not telling you, like, if you give $100, he'll give you $100 back. I'm definitely not telling you, if you give $100, he'll give you $200 back. All right. That's not, not what I'm saying. He might do that, but there's no guarantees of that. All right. What, What I'm telling you is that in God's economy, as we give sacrificially, he is going to provide for what we need. And so we can sacrificially give our money for kingdom purposes under his leadership and trust that he's going to provide for our financial needs. He might not replace what you gave but he's going to ensure that you are provided for in accordance with his will. We can sacrificially give of our time and and trust that he will arrange our lives and schedules so that what is most important to him is done in our lives. We can sacrificially give of our energy and, and trust that he will provide the energy for what he is calling us to. We don't have to always seek to replenish that ourselves. He will give us what we need. Church, listen, we do not have to hoard our resources. We serve a God of abundance. And and listen to this. I just want you to hear this. He will never run out of the capacity to replenish what he calls us to give. He will never run out of the capacity to replenish what he calls us to give. And so we can give freely. We can give with joy. We can give in abundance, knowing that as he is calling us to give, not as I am calling you to give, but as he is calling you to give, you can give freely freely in abundance. And so a question for reflection for you. Is there anything that I'm holding on to that is preventing me from giving sacrificially as God is calling me to? Is there this thing that's like, I'm afraid to do that because I'm holding on. I'm afraid to give up this because my time is shorter. I'm afraid to give up this because my finances are shorter. I'm afraid to, is there anything that you're holding on to that's preventing you from giving sacrificially as God is calling you to? Take this before the Lord this week. And so a Christ-centered church serves selflessly. A Christ-centered church gives sacrificially. And finally, a Christ-centered church cares compassionately. Um, Let's read verses 25 through 30. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, so that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Uh, Repeat after me, Epaphroditus. That was you did. Let's one more time. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. Do you know how hard it is to spell his name? Like it's easier to say. I have to write his name so many times in my notes. It drives me. I misspell it every time. Anyhow, so this guy is described by Paul in these. Here's five things in verse 25. My brother. All right. So there's like family connection, a very intimate thing. All right. My brother. My fellow worker. And so Epaphroditus is this guy who's been doing ministry alongside Paul. He calls him a a soldier. And Paul often used that word, if you look in other letters, to describe someone who had suffered for the sake of Christ. And so you got this guy who's like a close brotherly connection, a guy who had worked alongside Paul and labored with him, and a guy who had suffered for the sake of Christ, a, a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier. And then he calls him, your messenger and minister to my need. Now, that's an important phrase to help understand uh, the, the rest of this thing. The Philippians, what they had done, and that's what this whole letter was, was partly about, they had sent Paul a financial gift. So we send a financial gift to, to Bangkok. They had sent Paul this financial gift, and and they knew it wasn't going to be enough. And so they sent Epaphroditus also. Hey, we're going to send... This money and this guy, all right, and he's going to try and make up for what we couldn't give to you. So verse 30, when it says to complete what was lacking in your service to me, part of that is like, I know you couldn't give all the money you wanted to give, and so you sent me Epaphroditus also. So I hope he volunteered for this. But um, anyhow, so they send money and Epaphroditus. All right? And and so, so he is a messenger and also a minister to my need. He's going to bring a message from the church, bring a gift from the church, and also minister to Paul's needs and come alongside him. And so uh, that's that's what's happening there. And then verse 26 through 28, I just I just want us to see this like language that they use in, in their relationships with one another that he had been longing for them. He was distressed by any worry that, that the Philippian church had for Epaphroditus because of his illness. And and though he almost died from that illness, God had mercy on him. And so Paul is excited to send Epaphroditus to the Philippians because he he knows they're gonna rejoice when they see him. And and it's this just this this compassion. As I read these verses, you see this like compassionate care. When we think about what compassion looks like, this is it. To have concern for the sufferings and the hurt of others. To, to see their struggle and to sympathize with them. To be compassionate is to seek to understand what it would be like to walk in someone else's circumstances. And so as we talk about caring compassionately, what we're talking about is an active compassion. All right, It's not just having compassion. It's about Caring compassionately, that there's an active component to that compassion. It's not just sympathizing with someone from a distance, but actually walking with them and alongside them in the thing that you're compassionate for, to bear up with someone in their pain. And so verse 29 through 30, Paul says, and so receive him with joy, honor this man, this man who risked his life for the sake of Christ. And, and, and Paul instructs them to do this and explains why he is being sent back so they don't feel like hey, Epaphroditus, we sent you. Why are you coming back? Paul's like, no, 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 no. honor him. Like, it's good that he's coming back to you. I'm I'm glad to send him back. He has suffered much. He risked his life for the sake of Christ. So don't think he just sort of like, you know, gave up on the mission. Like, this is a good thing that he's coming back. And so receive him with joy. Honor him. Be excited when he comes back. Um, And so in these three personal relationships between Epaphroditus, the Philippian church, and Paul, we see this beautiful example of compassionate care. There's so much care displayed on all these sides, Paul's care for Epaphroditus, the Philippians care for Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus's concern for the Philippians' concern for him, you know, like I'm worried that you guys are worried about me. Uh, these descriptions point us to the nature of their relationships and the compassion and care that they had for one another, this longing to be with one another, this genuine concern for one another, taking care of one another's needs. Church. This is the nature of the relationships of those within the church of Jesus Christ. Not always perfectly. It is something we have to pursue. But I'll say this. Last week, I, I wasn't here in town. We were on, on a retreat and we were away. And I, this morning coming in, I was just so excited to be able to see all of you. So, so excited to, to walk in and be amongst our faith family. So excited to worship with one another. And, and so there's this, this genuine desire and longing to be with one another. Listen, we're not a perfect people. We hurt one another. We sin against one another, but we grow in Christ as we forgive one another and bear one another's burdens. We grow in compassion for one another as we know one another and walk through life with one another, as we walk through these horrible losses, but also these wonderful celebrations as our kids grow up together and we change jobs or we search for jobs or we serve alongside one another all these moments, all the really little tiny ones that are just small, that might be chatter on a Sunday morning, to all of the really big ones where we are huddled around one another, either hugging in joy or hugging in grief. All of these things are what make us a family. And this family walks through these things, and as we do that, we learn to show a compassionate care for one another, an active compassion. This honors Christ, and ultimately, it's rooted in Christ, all right? And here's the beauty. This is, this is like the, the bigger picture here, the, the, the heartbeat of this entire section of Scripture that as we do this, as, as the church of Jesus Christ cares compassionately for one another, It demonstrates the love of Christ to a watching world. The world is watching how we treat one another. And a lot of times they're like, yeah, I don't want to be a part of that. But there is this this beauty that can be displayed, not that we present ourselves as perfect to the world, that would be against the gospel. The nature of the gospel is that we are imperfect and we sin against one another, but that as Christ did, we forgive one another, we walk with one another, we we resolve that conflict with one another. The gospel is advanced as we do this. Jesus demonstrated active compassion for us as he saw us suffering in the consequences of our sin. And he came down to deliver us from that. And so a question for reflection for you Is there someone in our faith family that God is calling me to show an active compassion towards? A question for reflection. Is there someone in our faith family that God is calling me to show an active compassion towards? And I'll say it one more time. Question for reflection. Is there... (laughs) It's there. I I could just keep reading it, but we got it. We got it. A Christ-centered church serves selflessly, gives sacrificially, cares compassionately. The church doing all of these things is only made possible by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we know how to love sacrificially only because it's Jesus who loved us first. He has modeled that love for us. If we want to be a Christ-centered church who can be described as selfless, sacrificial, compassionate, then we look first to the cross. Jesus modeled all of this for us. His love was selfless. He did not consider his position in heaven something to be held on to, like we read in chapter 2, but came down here to earth in the form of a man subjecting himself to death. His love was sacrificial as he sacrificed himself, being tortured brutally on our behalf so that we could be forgiven of our sinfulness. And his love was compassionate as he looked out on a sinful people that rejected him and had compassion on us, though we did not deserve it. And on that cross, He died the death that we deserve to die, and then He rose to eternal life so that we can spend eternity in a relationship with the Father through Jesus, enjoying Him. This is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's only by grace through faith in Jesus that we can experience that salvation. And so I just Conclude us here back with our big idea. A Christ centered church advances the gospel by demonstrating the sacrificial love of Jesus to one another. OTC, this is like, I want to just bring this together as we think about trying to be Christ centered. My question is this what kind of church will we be? Will we be a Christ centered church? We're a little over three years old. We're brand new. We're babies. And we have an opportunity to build something here in these very days to create this type of culture, a church that serves selflessly, gives sacrificially, and cares compassionately. Now, my charge to you is lean in to press into that, because ultimately, the culture that we create here is created by us in this room. It's created by you. It's created by you. It's created by each one of us collectively living in this way that creates a culture here that displays to the world the beauty of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is advanced in that way. Let me pray for us. Father, we just acknowledge our great need for you. We, we thank you even as we're gonna sing in these minutes and we, we turn our eyes to Jesus. Father, we ask for the help to be aware of these things that you're calling us into uh, and also, Lord, we ask for the help to actually live these out in our lives. And so, Lord, help, help us root any behavior we have, any, 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 anything that's coming out of us be rooted in you and you alone and what you have done, and you receive all the glory for it. That's your name we pray. Amen.